Welcome to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. For Visit Mildura, unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Here's your hosts, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Red, when there is a wry smile across your face, have you caught oh, some fish this week, It's just mate? been very warm this week, Patrick. Very warm. We had some beautiful Changing the weather. seasons? Yeah, well and truly changing the seasons. It's a change of clothing. It's just been great. The shorts are out. <laughs> It's been a great four days, especially, what was it, over the last weekend into the start of the week. Then Wednesday was a cracker and, you know what? The mood just improved. Mentality in every person is just nicer. You're a little bit less road rage. (laughs) It's great. We went out to the farm Wednesday, had a bit of a a barbecue. I tell you what, there's nothing better than a hot plate on actual coals, fire coals, rather than, you know, gas and just a couple of brewskis midweek. You're obviously working hard. You're on holidays. Busy September. Is this the first earliest you've had off? Uh for for twenty thirteen. Yes. Twenty thirteen. So I don't remember us recording ever this early off with with you on holidays. <laughs> Sorry. Oh I just, uh, uh, speaking I sh- of holidays, you know, you're heading to Port Ferry. I am. Can I just interrupt yeah. you? I had a um uh, I did a uh, partnership with Bunnings um a couple of weeks ago. So basically what happens for um, a lot of sportsmen you see them promoting different products. Yep. You know they 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 enter agreements and you know whatnot. So I had did this agreement with Bunnings, and, and part of it was to do a, a morning live cross on the Today Show. So I convinced Flick, I bribed her. Were I'll, you I'll, on the Today Show? Yeah, in the morning. <laughs> I didn't know in front that. of the cubby that uh, that um, I'd, I'd re uh, re improve. Would you? Would you call it re-improved? What? Did you say renovated? Renovated. That's There's the word I was looking I'll for. Re-improved. Jeez, how am I going? <laughs> uh, it's too early. Uh, anyway, so we're there. I've conned Flick into Felicity, my daughter, to joining us. I've, I've bribed her with chocolate. This is like 8 a.m. So that's all fine. And one of the hardest things, and you would know this with Sulkide, trying to film with children is a nightmare. Mm. So just as we... Are about to go on air. She's in my arms. She decides to, to play dead fish. She said, oh, "Dad, I'm playing dead fish," and there she is, just lying like she looks like she's dead in my arms. And all of a sudden, the live cross comes in. They're like, "Ah, so your 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 daughter looks tired." And it just came out of my mouth. I was like, "Well, this is sort of reminiscent of the Geelong football season season." <laughs> Did you say that? <laughs> they lost? Well, it sort of was. It was just dead. Good. I didn't know that you were on. I would have got up nice and early and watched you on that, Patrick. So, um, I don't know how we got to that, but... Um, Fishing, dead fish, dead works. <laughs> going back to something relevant, you're in Port Ferry at the moment. Or going to Port Ferry, I should going say. Going to Port Ferry, the Savo. Uh, yeah, so taking the caravan down there. Um, first proper trip with mm. the three kids staying at the Big Four down there. We, the, in the, the Lotus? In the Lotus caravan? In the Lotus, the uh, the trooper. There's two caravan parks there. There's one that's there's, there's one that's in town and there's one that's a little bit further out. Which now, one's we, the one I stayed at, the one in town? No, you stayed further out the Big further Four. Out one. Because yep. it's got the indoor, like you think about something that's close proximity for the kids to so like a pool, playground, good yep. many. So we went there, or we're going there. It's a cracking um, park. We had a great time there. Indoor, it's a beautiful place. Indoor playground too. And so, if, yeah, and if this weather can hold out, like it'll be great because the school holidays here. And that's the other thing where 
keen to talk about this morning as we come into this school holiday phase. And if you're looking to get your children into fishing throughout the school holidays, one of the great things that you can do is, is go to a jetty, go to a pier, because they're safe relatively as I tap you on the shoulder. You don't safe. Want to, well, you don't want them to fall <laughs> over the end. But in terms of you don't need a boat. Chuck a life jacket on, they'll be right. You can chuck a life jacket on your need. And one of the, the things that you've spoken about at length over the last few weeks has been the garfish. And this is something that's a great thing um, to get your kids into. It's easy to do. And it's relatively safe in terms of hooks. They're, they're, they're not too spiky, the garfish. <laughs> Just apart from the big... Sword on their nose. But it's not a massive sword. No, I won't you know. So if you're looking to get your kids into fishing, then this is one of the good things to, to go after. They are, and not only with what you've just said, fun to catch, etc. eating quality. Yeah, they brilliant. Are, and you know what one thing kids like doing and love doing, and I'm guilty for this with, with Finn, is like, he's actually a lot better than he was as he gets a bit older, but they want to take stuff home. They just want to. 100%. They want to take stuff home. And one thing I've drilled into Finn is catch and release. I People see I do catch a lot, but I also release a hell of a lot more. And one thing that we always do on the boat is anything that he catches new, right? Anything he catches new, he always asks, are you allowed to eat it? Yep. And I let him eat any fish he wants, even a puffer, whatever. No, sorry, we won't let him have that. We'll, <laughs> we'll take that off him. But <laughs> anything new they comes poisonous. on. Well, we got a, blue, a beautiful blue devil the other day, uh, a blue devil fish. And I know it's going off the garfish side of things but blue devil fish which is a when you're diving you see lots of them underwater they're a beautiful blue bright blue fish or dark blue underwater and even darker when they come out and they're fluorescent blue fluorescent dark blue underwater like it's really it's a hard uh, hard fish to describe the color it's just beautiful when it comes out it's quite nearly black but it's quite dark when we caught it and Finn's like can I eat it and I've actually never eaten one but back to the charter days we used to keep them, and we used to take a lot of Chinese out on the boat, yeah. and they thrive off the reef fish. And yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it's a white... Just delicacy I've, over there. I've yep. cleaned hundreds of these, and they're yep. beautiful white flesh fish. And Finn, of course, can we try it, Daddy? Because I said, anything yep. new? Yes, of course you can. Filled it up for him, and of course, he he just loves eating it. It's like, more, more. And Did you have it? Because yeah, you're not a massive was, eater of fish. It was very clean fish. It wasn't... It didn't break apart. It just, it, like Sorry, when I said it, it wasn't mushy as such. Yeah. It broke apart beautifully. Like It, it can be a, flowery sometimes. I just... But yeah. With the kids, I found when I'm cooking fish for them, same as the gar, this goes back to the garfish side of things, just keeping it simple. Uh, letting the fish, for some reason, kids love fish. Yeah. They just do. And as you get older, a lot of people get a bit funny on fish, but I can guarantee people that don't eat fish now, as kids, I reckon they would have crunched it a lot of the time, especially three, four year olds like mine and even George up to sort of six and seven now. But just light flour. I put it in butter on the pan and then just a bit of lemon on top of it at the end. And he just, look, obviously I didn't have any more blue devil fish, so I got in trouble. But I, he, he caught that and wanted to eat it. And that's the best way to cook these garfish yeah. is light flour on them. You can do batter and whatnot, but for me, batter it just defeats the purpose a little bit of eating fish. I batter fish if I'm doing like a burger or something, something a bit dirty. You have, But if you want to keep it healthy for the kids, literally butter, and I love cooking. Butter on the pan, flour up your fish with a bit of salt and pepper and drop it in into the pan. Squeeze a little bit of lemon on it and away you go. You can't beat it. And that's the best way, in my opinion, to have garfish. And all the bones and whatnot you do get in the garfish when you do catch it, you can get them out quite easy. Just butterfly the fish and open it up and you can take the whole rib cage out beautifully. You can roll them. Finn's a little bit... Finn's quite... He's been eating fish his whole life, so he's quite good with fish. So 
He, I, if I'm not as fussy with the bones, me, yeah, I'm, he's happy to pick him. He's out, happy. He? I say yeah. to Finn, if you get knows a bone, what it means. Yeah, yeah, and you know he understands it. You get a yep. bone, he's been eating it since he was a kid. Chuck it out, like, yep. and he knows. You go, Daddy, you didn't clean these well, and he'll pull a bone or two out. Where Mia, the younger one, of course, you got to be 100 percent mindful. So for me, garfish for Mia isn't the ideal fish for Mia yep. because it, she's only one and a half and she doesn't. Can't it's the beauty of it, as so. we head into this snapper season. Yep, you you literally be able to pull the whole spine. Hundred percent, and even when flatties now something that is really bad when you clean flatties, and I've seen this on social media is they say flatty tails, right? So some people clean them from the butt down, so from the anal anal fin down, yep. they clean them, and but you miss all the meat back towards the, the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I actually do, sorry, Finn, but what I do often is we just have little pieces of flat of flatties, so. Uh, like little flatty nuggets in a way, yeah. Just but in the in the uh, in the fry pan. If you get them big enough, and I just give the back half to Mia because I know she will never have a bone there, and then yeah. I give the front half of the fish to Finn or ourselves. And you can pick through it, but yeah. we, ninety percent of the time I have the bones out, if not more. I get the bones out. Like you're pretty good at it, yeah. but like, and I check it for Finn. just on that just little that, five yeah, percent chance. Don't yeah. want so be a bit mindful with the garfish, a bit bony, but catching light burly trail, float, bit of a. Silverfish, bit of pippy. I love pippy. For some reason, pippy is nearly my go-to for them. And you'll, you'll catch plenty of them, especially this time of the year. The other thing that if you're interested in getting your kids into fishing is the squid off the jetties and piers and depending on if you're going to spend some time in a boat. And the great thing about squid fishing is you don't need to spend a huge amount on gear. No. You can go cheap but have a good squid jig and... You're going to talk about the, the fall rate of it, but you don't need the best gear in the world to catch great calamari. No, you are right. The gear, you don't need the best gear at all in the world, but one thing that you do need is a good squid jig. It's, it's one thing that I'd be purchasing, uh, I'd definitely be purchasing and spending your money on rather than something else. And what I mean by that is if you go to Kmart and you get those, I think they're, you get, well, you get five jigs, but five bucks, I just made that up, but yeah, you get those no, orange. I think they're around that. They've yeah. got the razor, they've got the spikes on the back of them and, and yeah. whatnot. So don't do that. I wouldn't be buying those. So where do you go? I'd be going to a good tackle store. So BCF, your anacondas, or even better, your local tackle stores that, that know the area, yep. and you can go in and ask them, I'm looking for the squid jig that suits this area. I think it's key what you said, like local sort of tackle. What I, as an example is, it's different. If you go, okay, I'm fishing now, for those that are playing at home, Clifton Springs is a place I'm going to mention as an example. And that's a non-tidal area for where we fish. A tiny bit of tide gets in and out, right? Yeah. But you're going to go there with a two and a half jig, size two and a half, in two metres of water, three metres of water, and it's going to sink really nice in those conditions. But Because when you talk about tidal movement, you're actually, forget the actual tide, you're simply talking about the movement of water as yeah. you sit on that jetty that is going underneath. Exactly. Yeah. So if you go to the Clifton Springs jetty, there's no tidal movement. But if you go to somewhere like Queenscliff or in the Point Lock, Queenscliff cut where there's quite a bit of tide... Then all of a sudden you're going to have lines are going to move. Your jigs you're going to you're going to need to go to a bigger jig because it's just going to keep getting drifted down and pulled down. Yes. So there is there is so many different ways. But talk to your local tackle store. Spend money on a rod and reel, but you don't need to spend a hell of a lot. If you want to spend a good quality cheap rod, is a hundred and thirty dollar Atomic Arrows. I think they're about that tackle store, hundred and forty bucks maybe. And you can get a squid eggy rod, or you can even just get an all round whiting rod. It'll do the same, same thing. thing. Yep. yep. Or you can even go less. You can spend sixty dollars on something if you want to. But that's the rod I'd recommend. It's a cheap, good rod, hundred and thirty bucks, and just get a Sedona, a Shimano Sedona. I think they're around eighty bucks, seventy bucks, probably even less for a two and a half thousand. Yeah. So you can get a couple hundred dollars, and you're going to start squid fishing. It's a good investment to have, and then 
I'd be spending reasonable money, not stupid amounts, but reasonable money on a major craft jig. That's the, that's the go-to at the moment for me. You've also got Yamashita. There's so many different brands out there, and that's what I'd be I'd be sort of sticking along the the lines there. Hey, a little bit of four by four news. This floated across our Real Adventures desk during the week, and we love to talk a bit of four by four. Redmond, uh, Polestone O One is a Defender-style boxy-looking SUV from China, and this thing looks extraordinarily similar to the latest uh, Land Rover Defender. And it it sparked our interest because it's actually quite beautiful in terms of its design. And this is um, primarily targeting you know that off-road gung-ho purchaser and we've seen Great Wall really start to invest in in, in this uh, space but according to Chinese reports outputs 350 kilowatts um, accelerating 0 to 105.5 seconds electric range only reported to be 230 kilometers now that sort of rings alarm bells I know with you because you're going to talk about as soon as you put people in there that'll decrease load is obviously the big challenge for electric cars did you say 230 kilometers yeah but i'm a you wouldn't have thought you wouldn't have thought that this is if that is just electric only then i don't know how many people are going to buy it but if it's a hybrid because they have they did talk about the petrol engine uh serving as a as a generator as a hybrid um mm, which is which which, which gives you an extra range of Eleven hundred Ks. Thousand, yeah. Which is a game changer. So if so you've got a hybrid defender looking Chinese. How import. much is it, does it say? No, they're yet they're yet. I'd love to, to see the price because that would give me an idea of what it's worth. It sounds dumb, but you look at the like I drove a Great Wall not long ago and I said, I'm not really impressed with this car at all and you said, Yeah, but it's the price for the car. Like that's what you're paying for. Yeah. So literally like less see, than half the cost. I'd love to see what that's worth to sort of see where it falls into the market. It, it's scary to see how similar it is to a Defender. It looks very similar. Uh, but will like, I buy it? No, because it's electric. <laughs> but we've discussed this before. When Hyundai and Kia, you know, 20 years ago, were making their way in the Australian market, everyone talked them down. Yeah. Did you have any issue to buying either of those cars now? No, 100% not. No. Kia, particularly for me, like, that's what I've been wanting to buy for a long time, is Kia Carnival. Kia Carnival. Yeah, I have. And I still... I reckon it will be my next car if I can get it over the line with the missus. But, yeah, you are right. But I, I don't know. It depends what it comes into. It's like it's a good-looking car for those that are playing it at is. home. It is. It is. Uh, got a question on something for, for you as well. We know you had your boat in the water for a while. Yes. Uh, when I say you had it in the water, you had it in Queensleaf Dry Stack. How much would you pay to keep a relatively good-sized boat, so bigger than what yours is? Yep. How much would you pay? Say a uh, 40-footer, right? Well, they, your your forty foot rib that you're gonna have when you retire. How <laughs> how much would you pay to buy a berth? To buy a berth, so you'd, I'm tipping you'd own it. So oh, you if I was gonna it. own, it, I wouldn't want to pay much more than. Uh, I have no idea about berth costs. Well, like two fifty. Martha Cove, so this is in our neck of the woods, right? Okay, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars a berth has just gone for in Martha me. Cove. Well, when it, when it comes to berthing a boat. Isn't the rule it's a thousand dollars a foot in terms of upkeep? So if you get a forty foot boat, yeah, if you, you want to make off that, yep. If you want to maintain it as a one in terms of its quality, well, it's going to be forty grand a year. This sits a twenty meter plus motor yacht. It's part of the Mount Martha Cove Marina off Safety Beach. Sold a couple of weeks ago for six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You're kidding me. 
seven metres wide berth, so you'd be able to park something in there at least. <laughs> Uh, 24-hour fuel dock. You're such a wanker. Uh, well, the average housing price in Melbourne is going for $550,000, just to let you know. So you're paying $100,000 more than what you would just for keep your boat in the water. wonder if Dan's if got any taxes for the dry stock. We'll come back to him a bit later. We've got a massive show <laughs> of real adventures coming your way this morning. But after the break, the whip around, we find out what's biting in your part of the country. You're listening to Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating, and the great outdoors. Uh, Redmond, segment two is always the whip around for us where we uh, gallivant around the country. We find out what's biting. We kick things off with New South Wales. There's a massive uh, bluefin out of Burnie. There is, and I'm glad you said joining us because Patrick is well and truly on holiday, holiday mode if you're sitting here experience what I'm going through this morning. I'm just a bit looser than normal. <laughs> Big bluefin. There's a, there's a lot happening, mate. We're trying Big to get this bloody CBA done. Anyway, go on. Oh, you're the, you're the president of that all or something, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the whip around. Massive bluefin out of Burma this week. How's What's this? What's massive? 80 kilo, but how's this, though? How's how he caught it? Marked it up down deep on the sounder. Dropped a live slimy mackerel down to 80 metres. Boom. Hang on. Let me process that. A live slimy down 80 metres. Dropped it down to 80. So we get a lot of mile on that way. So you obviously have to weight that down. Yep. How, how do you rig it? So you've got your you've got your weight, and then yeah. it, it swims freely beyond that. Is that like a couple of ways? So how, I, for example, when we're dropping baits down to marlin, you can run light leader if you only have light leader. So you can run like a ten pound leader and tie a sinker onto it. Oh, I was about to say you're, not, you're not putting your livey or, on ten pound leader. No. So you got your normal rig, right? So yep. your normal live bait rig, which will be you wind onto a hook basically, or if you want to run a snap swivel, and you yep. can run another way to do it is run light like a bands. So we yeah. run light like a bands too. Because you sort of want it to break off because you want to become free with the fish and not have the sinker on there. Extra weight. doesn't yeah. matter if it's on there, but that's how we do it. Yep. Drop it down to 80 metres and away you go. So that's pretty cool. Nice big bluefin caught that way. We get a lot of fish on live bait, but... And we do catch them here dropping baits down, but dropping it down to 80. So he's fishing continental shelf, which is... So that seems like deep to me. Yeah. Well, the marlin we mark, for, for instance, we'll mark them... So we're in 180, 200 metres of water... When you're in, during the season, we'll mark them up on bait. You'll have a whole screen of bait, and you'll have a marlin at the bottom of it, 140 metres down. And I'll say to the boys, drop down, and they'll quickly drop a bait down. Can you see them come up yeah, on the Yeah, you'll sounder? see them swimming up on the sounder and coming out, especially when you're out of gear. So we usually, quite often, the method we're using when we're catching marlin like that, we're slow trawling. So we're just ticking live baits around at, say, between two to seven kilometres. So we're just in and out of gear virtually, moving up and down the current, zigzagging it, whatever we're working. Is that the sweet spot so the fish still maintains its natural <laughs> swimming and pattern? It's funny you say that. It depends on what current you have. So, yeah. for instance, last year, we had the ultimate current last year. The EAC was cranking, as we spoke about many times. And the, when it pushed down and we were tacking into it, we were still going backwards at five kilometres because it was so strong. So it comes down to... It was very hard to tick live baits around. So the method that I used there was a zigzagging method. So you're actually working down the whole time, 
but you're going across it and tacking up into it a little bit so you can make so you can sort of maintain your ground and hold something if you find it as such. Mm. So if you mark up fish and you mark up a bit of bait in an area, get into the zigzag mo- uh, method so you're going across the current, sort of like swimming against a rip. Yeah. It's sort yeah. of the same same example. So you want to work across the edge of it rather than going up and down it, which would be going too fast and too slow. Because you still want that bait to naturally... Yeah, present. You do. You? you want it to just be kicking out the back there as comfy, comfortable as it can be with a hook in its, on, in its nose, but yeah. you want it to be sitting out the back, whether off your rigger arm. So when a marlin hits it, pops the rigger, the, the reel's spooling out freely, and then set your drag and away you go. Yep. So, it, and I'm tipping, I don't actually know how this gentleman did it, but that would be the method that I would be using to catching the bluefin dropping down too. Now, Captain Cook's Bridge was the other one I seen during the week. Captain Cook's Bridge is obviously renowned in Sydney there. Absolutely. And Meter plus Mulloway, and oh. I think it was like a meter ten, and then there was another one meter twenty, and caught, caught at night, right under the bridge. No, it was during the day. Wow. Yep. And everything they get a lot he- of fish there. They do get a lot of fish. I get they get a lot of fish, but everything you hear around the big, massive meter plus Mulloway, you it's always nighttime. hear about yep. night time or you know early morning, and by early morning, I mean five a.m., which is still night time. She's <laughs> not well, bad. That's the fish there. I'm just going to show you how Absolutely. close. Look how close they are to the bridge. Like literally on the, yeah, on the bottom of it. But how's this photo afterwards? Captain Cook's Bridge tonight. There's another photo behind it with 300 <laughs> people sitting off the behind it. It's only a fake photo, but that's, <laughs> it's a great fishing place for uh, for my life. Heading to Queensland, Patrick. Crackerjack Sport Fishing Charters are into some amazing fish out off Hinchinbrook with nannies uh, on the rubble and Red Emperor, which is one of the most beautiful eating fish in the sea, uh, on offer as well as coral trout and Nothing needs to be said about the um, the plate ability of colo, uh, coral trout. Uh, He's informed today. <laughs> you're killing me. Huge uh, yellow fin whiting as well, caught yeah. off meringue, up to 41 centimetres, which is a seriously big fish. We're talking forearm um, and yeah, fish for caught a, on bloodworms, Redman. Yeah, for a yellow fin whiting, 41 centimetres is very, very big. So that's a that's very good fishing. It's They, they, they pull hard. They're, they're fine. You can get them on poppers too, but the bloodworms, like you said, were the most effective. The Montebello Islands in WA. Baz spent a, a week, Barry Sullivan, uh, the master of the Murray, spent a week on charter there last year. One of the best things he did. He absolutely loved it with how they set um, how they set up um, accommodation and the fishing that's on offer. You have to be mindful of your winds, but it is an incredible place to fish. Is it pricey to do all that? It actually wasn't too crazy. I reckon he was away for a week and it was less than a thousand bucks a day. Yeah, and that's food, everything. Yeah. yeah. You're flying over, you're flying food, back. Food, fishing. Yep. You think about it, if you go on a charter at Portland for a day for yourself, you're looking at 400 bucks a head. It's so between 300 and 400 a head. You're looking, 350. Yeah, this was this that's was well good. less than a thousand. And that's only like, for a few hours in tuna. That's not food. Like They might get a sausage or two, but this would be pretty good food, wouldn't it? Yeah, and you think about the overheads of running a, you know, a charter operation yeah. with a mothership. Out off the Montebellos. Jazz, Extraordinary. Jazz Charters, my man over there. Yeah, what are they into this week? Still plenty of snapper. Yep. But he's getting everything in between. Jewfish, he's getting amberjack, he's getting kingfish, all mixed in. Like, he's just fishing that same hole that doesn't, the endless hole, as I like to call it. <laughs> he just has so many fish there. And uh, your neck of the woods, SA, some huge squid coming at Victor Harbour, hoods to 50 centimetres. And uh, the group off Tumby Bay producing some huge whiting over 50 centimetres and plenty of squid in the mix too. Can you specifically target biggest squid? Like, Yeah, 100%. Pe- people talk about, you know, you're going to target a specific yep. species. You know, if you're targeting, you know, barrel bluefin, you get fish it a certain way Yep. versus school bluefin. Can so you, how do you do that with squid? When you're tr- fishing the traditional grounds of, for example, where I live, Port Phillip Bay, 
you you tend when weedy areas tend to have you get one big squid amongst maybe ten smaller ones, right? Yes. When you're fishing the bottom end in tidal areas or in the ocean, like even even places like uh, Victor Harbour, run a baited jig. So you want to run a bit of a salmon on a jig spike yep. or a silver whiting on a jig spike or whatever you want to run. Yes. And that's a baited jig. So how you rig it up is you, you have a sinker dropper on it, which has your sinker obviously attached to it. Then you have a bit of a leader off it. Sort of like a whiting rig is, rig is a good way to exa- uh, have it explain, explain it. it as an yep. example, sorry. And then you've got your baited spike. You put your fish on it. I run a snap swivel, so I actually close the mouth into the line with the line. So the line goes onto the snap swivel, but then the snap swivel goes through the lip of the fish, through the spike, and then through the other side lip of the fish. Then I close the snap swivel, stops your bait from sliding up and down the line. Some people run it the other way, so their head goes into the spike as well, but they that's probably the best. That's probably the, I guess, more traditional way to run it due to the fact that the squid will always attack the back of the head first. But the way I run it, the wrong way around, it stop. I get along longer with the bait. So if I squid are on, I can keep going. Yeah. And I just strike a bit harder. So I just pull up a bit harder. And because we're often using hand lines on them. Yeah. And you strike a bit harder and you you tend to get the squid. Yeah. But especially the biggest squid, they wrap their tentacles around, they grab the whole thing. And that's what you're trying to do with the uh, with the baited jig in the first place. Heading uh, across to the Apple Isle, Redman, there's been some huge rainbows caught. Yeah. So it's been opening trout season the last week. So... Uh, the Cataract George holding some huge rainbows and they were all caught on Lewis and the Four Springs holding plenty of trout, not as big as what the Cataract is, but plenty of numbers. That Cataract had 14, 16 pound trout. They're big trout. It's a beautiful gorge indeed. So, uh, Victoria, as we head uh, go south to north, uh, yep. can we talk, uh, I'm going to say Port Mac because you have it in the report always when in actual fact it is South Australia. Yeah. Uh, let's let's go let's go I'm up from the port. bottom end. Port Portland, Port Mac and that region with the southern bluefin. I even snuck Port Lincoln into it too. <laughs> so Port Lincoln had some beautiful barrels caught there as we know. Port Mac South Australia going to be in arms. <laughs> what are you doing? To I just us? love the place that much. But from Portland to Apollo Bay, the barrels are in plenty of numbers. There's the yep. odd fish getting caught still back off the heads but I'd be packing the car and going down there. Yep. 100%. Fishing very, very well. Again, the bottom fishing, sensational. Schoolies, gummies, snapper, nanagai. All down the southwest from Port Ferry to Portland, fishing 10 out of 10. Doesn't get any better than what it is. Trout- it's it's important, important to note. It's not just a place to go to catch bluefin tuna. Oh, yeah. There's and there, so many great get, species. You get so caught up in it every time I go there because yep. that's what you go there too. It's hard for me to drive four hours to go catch schoolies and gummies when I have them yeah, at home as such. and that's a good point. But I work harder at home than what I do there. There, Every time I've been there, I've always had great success. There's, I don't reckon I could tell you a time where I've gone there and not had success on the bottom fishing there. It is just 10 out of 10 down there. And there would be days where it's a little bit harder. But if you fish those days, they're more effective. You just you can catch 10 of them in a few hours. Like yeah. I pushed Port Ferry with it was myself, Kari's family, Gary Rowan last year. I think we caught 14 gummies in a few hours, three or four hours. And they were like from 10 to 30 kilo, like a poor yep. ferry. Like that was good fishing good as, as you get. So yeah. sensational. Uh, trout opening, as I mentioned earlier, Gilmore's was a great success. Plenty of rainbows caught there. The Goulburn River had its open day. Fisheries put a big event down there. They got plenty of trout was caught, which is great to see. They did a big cook-ups there and it was a really good event from what I've heard. Reddies, Tigers and Chinooks all coming out of Parambit during the week. Victorian Inland Charters were into them. And then heading over to Lake's entrance, there's plenty of pinky snapper too. 
uh, offshore there as well, which has been very, very good. That's not a bad little segue before we wrap up the whip around. Uh, you've got a snapper info night coming up at, Mel- at Melbourne Marine Centre. I do. Uh, our good friends of the show. And uh, Andrew kindly invited me down there to come talk some rubbish, which is good, about snapper. So you're going to go with the how to rig your baits, what yep. baits work best. You're going to go through the tackle and the rigs, yep. t- tide and times. Yep. So tide will come down to moons, time, times of the day to chase them regarding your moons and whatnot that I like using, uh, we, utilizing. And we spoke about um, how to prepare garfish off the top of the show. You can actually go through the filleting and how to care well, for the fish so you get the best out of the flavor. Andrew reckons he's bringing a fish there. I said, I'm not catching it. <laughs> Putting pressure on me to catch a snapper in September before a Melbourne Marine talk. The chances of that. Hope he buys one. <laughs> He's advertised it. <laughs> now, you can purchase Sorry, uh, Andrew. tickets in-store or over the phone. RSVP is the 18th of September. Uh, they're 15 bucks a ticket or two for 27 It is on the 21st of September 2023, obviously. It's at 6pm and it's at Melbourne Marine Centre. Food and drinks are included. So it's bloody good value, Redmond, to listen to you talk about uh, a fish that gets everyone excited as we really start to ramp up into snapper season. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to snapper season and this will probably fire me up as I'm sitting at home tidying up my presentation for it. It'll start to get me a bit excited as the red fever starts to kick in and then it's going to be an early snapper season this year. We've yep. seen what Western Port's done already. Western Port's fishing sensational. Gwaine has been doing very well. A few other people are doing well too. Uh, it, it's it's the start of it and we're a month and a half earlier than last year yeah. already. Yep. So few fish getting caught in Clifton Springs now. So that's where you'll start to see me start working in the next couple of weeks. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this to this snapper season and that will if you if you're new to the game and want to tidy up or if you've been in the game and you want to increase your chances a little bit more, come and listen to all the rubbish that I'll talk and hopefully I can help you out with a thing or two. Beautiful work, Redmond. It is now time for Red's review, our product review of the week. And I'm gonna kick things off. It's not really a review, it's more of a conversation around I've got a four point uh zero, four point oh, uh Stace Avino's punt. Four I've, meter. <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't really <laughs> articulate that super well, did I? Now, it's got a 30-horsepower Tillersteer Yamaha two-stroke. Yep. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to upgrade it, and we probably need to get uh, Dave Mean on for Mercury. At I'll get him stage. next week. Um, all right, we can do that. I will do that. I'll message him right now. Go. Um, and I'm not sure whether to go 25 or 30. It's got a 30 now, but what are the performance improvements? So do I upgrade the engine and go either 25 or 30 horsepower? Or do I just sell this? It's probably worth eight to ten grand, um, maybe less. Like I've, I've kitted out with good electronics, mm-hmm. or do I just bite the bullet and actually update the whole thing? My th- my opinion is four meters for me. I know your dad likes using it by himself and stuff. It's small. For yeah, me. but we've already got a fifteen foot boat, so oh, we're, we're, yeah, not, get, we're not yeah, getting yeah, any yeah, bigger than that. So you we're going to so stay you, the same boat. But so he's got one for every day of the week. Um, is there enough <laughs> technology change in four meter boats? Like, they're going to bang no matter what, really. Like, it doesn't matter how much you, you feel safer with innovate a, the hull. Will you feel safer with a four-stroke on there? That you feel like you're, nothing's ever going to happen because it's just going to run forever? Where two-strokes, you don't know what's going to happen. This has been a really good engine. I know, it has been. But what about the day it's not? Because it's still two-stroke and 25, 30 years old. Yeah, well, it's 2003 model. So it's 20 years old. Yeah. It's it's incredible how good a condition it's in though. It starts, Does it run good? starts first pull every time. I it is louder. It. I wouldn't be spending any money on it. Keep it. The only I'll thing is, is dad gets so dad's sixty five. Full we'd, start. We would go electric start. Ah, yeah, and probably old, old probably tilt and trim. 
doesn't have tilt and trim, you've got to lift it manually. Exactly. How much is a new engine? Bit of food range? for thought. Oh, I say five, five and a half. John Boy shout. <laughs> it's food for thought. He's the one that needs it. Yeah. So my preview before we get Dave on next week is just the debate and the. Well, they've got the small electric engines out now. They're too small. They're too small though. Yeah. Yep. Like you still want something. I, I I wouldn't go any smaller than twenty five. It's got a thirty on it now. I just wonder what the performance improvements would yeah. be from a. 2003 model Yamaha two-stroke yep. to a 2023 Mercury 30 horsepower or 25 horsepower. Yep. What are they going to be? We'll get Dave on next week to chat about it. Perfect. That's our Reds review for the week. There's plenty more real adventures coming up after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit Mildura.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for All Aboard. And our special guest this morning is one of our good mates of the show and one of your very best mates, Kane Reardon, who's a builder, but he also owns Reef Thief. Good morning, Kane. Morning, Pat. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Uh, thanks for joining us, Kano. And uh, Kano's been a sidekick of mine, Patrick, for quite some time now. He's uh, helped me out a lot, especially when I was sick a couple of years back. And he's uh, he's well and truly got himself into the fishing game, especially with this Reef Thief. I'm not sure if he's regretting it now, but <laughs> take us through what Reef Thief is and all, uh, all the work that's gone into it, Kano. Probably started as a, a passion project of everything, obviously living down on the coast where we do and the run a school bluefin tuna we've had over the last few years and the barrel for that matter. I um, always loved my tuna fishing. I actually bought a place down in Portland three or four years ago so I could go chase the tuna down there and I think the summer after I did buy it, they popped up here and We've been here ever since, but... Perfect um, timing. Yeah. I thought it was pre-COVID, so that's now... It's gone from worth $2 to 200000 in... It wasn't a bad investment, put it that <laughs> way. But yeah, I suppose, like I said, it started as a passion project and I loved me fishing and I sort of saw, well, not necessarily a hole in the market, but being a builder and someone that's sort of creative, I suppose, by trade, it, I look at something so simple like that and think, oh, why can't I do that? And, you know, developing stuff specifically for us down here and the different colours and the things that work for us and obviously fishing from... With Aaron and Salt Guide, it's, you know, you see things a little bit different and sort of tailor them to what we do now. So, yeah, it's been a couple of years in the making now and we've built, caught everything from Marlin on them to, you know, obviously our tuna down here. So from month one to where you are now, what would Kane Reardon, the Lewis salesman, tell himself when he was first getting into the industry? Because I'm, I'm sure you've learned a lot. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> no, well we've worked quite hard to get them right though haven't we Kano? it like, has especially yeah. the, the the smaller skirted lures as such sort of sold themselves they just caught fish time after time but the bigger lures it's just about getting getting it right and the time and effort that you guys have actually listened well you've not just listened experience with myself making them hold in the water it's different to other lures where you know if you're going to buy one the weight's right it's made for the conditions that we particularly fish in and how much time and and money went into the effort of that as well? Like getting getting it right. There's a lot of trial and error, obviously, with the head sizes, etc. Yeah, I probably played it down a little bit when I said before. Like I was quite naive with it, the whole thing, and I did see it as such a simple product. But it is exactly that: getting everything right from shapes to weights to sizes. It's um, it's not as easy as what you think. And you know, as soon as you start talking about molds and different little variations and that sort of thing it, it has been a long process and I think we've got that right now particularly like you said the four inches was a pretty a simple process but those 10 inches in particular with those different head shapes like you start talking about 
your slants that sort of were developed over in Hawaii and your bullets and your pushes and it's just those small little tweaks um, make a world of difference, even down to the skirt links themselves. So, yeah, it's been quite a process. Innovation is important in any business, any industry, any product. Um, where do you see innovation coming from with, with Reef Thief? What's the next frontier in terms of the design or is it just continuing to to look at and to listen to the people that are actually using it and fishing with it? Obviously, you fish with it, but it's, you know, the, the punters, you can learn a lot from them as well. Yeah, 100%. And it is a strange one and I'm not completely sure where it is going. Like, you look at a bullet lure and you can basically say that every bullet lure that ever has been made is almost the exact same. Um, it probably is tailoring a little bit of doing, like we spoke about the weights before and just adding those 20, 30 grams to be able to get them to do what we need them to do here. Um, like I said, a lot of this fishing has come from Hawaii and I can tell you that the things I've seen on the Southern Ocean with Aaron aren't quite what they're getting offshore Hawaii. Um, but yeah, look, there's plenty of stuff happening and obviously we just had that big show after and things, you see some new innovations coming out. But I don't know, I'm starting to look at different things aside from a skirt, so keeping that head you might say and you know can we innovate them with soft plastics and different tails and things like you've seen the guys are doing over in um, America with their big long bass baits almost like those snake tails at the same time it, it works and that's probably the other thing fishing with Aaron too is you don't have to make it complicated if it catches fish just keep putting them in the water. Now Reef Thief obviously has a, a wider range of products take us through a few other items that you have for sale on the website and where they come from and the bit of work that goes into it as well. Yeah, and I'm not sort of shy in saying that we do have those custom-made stick baits and poppers. They're all hand-carved from a guy in Indonesia, out of all places. Um, a lot of the stick bait market does come from over there because they're so good at what they do. And um, Yeah, we've got the stick baits now. They range from a 30 to a 60-gram floating and sinking option. We are developing a bigger sort of 90 gram plus option because that seems like what all the guys want up up north when you throw them for these big GTs. They're just throwing massive lures that... Stick. And poppers, obviously you've got poppers as well in the range. Poppers there as well and we're playing with a few different options there, some of the diving poppers and things at the moment. But yeah, I, like I said, because it has developed from that passion project, 90% of our business have been you know, made around catching bluefin tuna down here on the south coast, so anything that's worked for us. This is probably a question to both of you. Um, you never do a colour just for the sake of it. Like, and when you look at a, a colour, like what gets you excited about? Yeah, the, I think this will catch fish or is it just trial and error? I'm very traditional with my lures and <laughs> some of the stuff that I see in the lure world, I just go, how the hell is that even working? To tell you the truth. Uh, you've got a Paris pink that we've been catching a lot of fish on cane in the Reef Thief range and <sighs> doesn't resemble anything. No. Let's be honest. No. It doesn't. It actually doesn't. But it stands out. It catches fish. It, it will, is it? It's sort of like a red baity sort of. Uh, it, it can't. It's not really in anything. It's just colours that stand out. But it catches fish, and I like running that in the shotgun position, uh, depending on the head size uh, as well. But the bullet head's been very effective for us in the shotgun position. I know there's been fish also caught in the shorter corner as well on the same lure. Yep, correct. And it's strange, and I probably shouldn't say this as a lure salesman, but half of our business is catching the fishermen. So yeah. when you walk into yep. a tackle shop, it's the one that looks good and it's yeah. the one that you like. So, um, look, they all work and they all have their different purpose, but stick with the colour you like. If it works, keep putting it in that same spot. And where can we find them, Kane? Uh, online. So we've got our website, www.reefthief.com.au. Um, we're purely on there at the moment. We are talking to Andrew at Melbourne Marine. For anyone that's up there, we're going to try and get into their tackle shop very soon. But, yeah, at the moment, we're purely an online business. 
Beautiful work. Kane Ridden, our special guest this morning, talking all things lures and in particular Reef Thief. If you're looking for a lure, head to reefthief.com.au for more information. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. We are in the home straight now, or on the home straight. Redmond, uh, it's time for your tip. Red's tip. Now, Monday last week. Yes. Well, Sunday afternoon, Father's Day, right, last week? Yep. Andy, lovely gentleman. Uh, taking him barrel fishing a few times, got some fish. Good. Met him through another friend of mine, Chucky, right? Didn't know what he was in for when I met him. On a guide? Uh, no. Just, just took just, him out? Yep. Just, well, with Chucky's good friend, so yep, gotcha. helped him out. Then he told me... I know, I know you don't like me mentioning names on the show. You don't because people don't know them. But there's a story to this. You always do. You just be like us. So, that, so, so me listen, and Barry. Yep. People people want to feel like they're joined in with us, Patrick. And right now, Andy, <laughs> okay. right, didn't know what he was in for, in for when he met me. Especially when he told me that he's had a lot of experience in detailing. So, Sunday, I organised him to detail my boat. Dropped oh my. the boat off at 4pm and he goes, yeah, I'm just going to clean it tonight so we can get ready to prepare it for Monday. I'm going to do the gel repairs and detail, cut and polish. I'm like... The man would not have slept. He mustn't have. I haven't spoke to him yet, but he mustn't have. So the tip is, if I ever ask you to detail my boat, whatever the cost is, put another 100% on top of it because it's not So he's actually it. detailing your boat. Full detailed in and out, he's detailing it. He, he's a, and he's a perfectionist. So I'm just going to let you know my tip. If I, you're a company out there that I get to detail. Man, I would never say yes to detailing <laughs> your boat ever. The things that you would find in your boat. Oh, whiting snapper. You couldn't, no, some still alive. You thought COVID was bad. You should 100%. see the crap that I've been growing in there. Oh, my God. So the tip you is, are Andy. You a disgrace. We need to get him on to see how he really went with it. <laughs> Good Lord. Is that a fair enough tip for the people? Not to ever, ever consider letting me detail your boat. I have, sorry, detail my boat. And I wouldn't get you to me to detail your boat either because that's why my boat looks like the way it looks. Do you even, have you not ever thought about just actually no, so putting, putting effort into cleaning no, so your the, boat? Honest, honestly. You know, no, honestly, it, I used to. When I got really crook, and this is not a load of a lie, when I got really crook, I couldn't actually physically do it. That's when it got bad. So I, I it wasn't, so I wasn't say bad. It wasn't even that bad. No, it's, it we're, we're playing so on it. A bit. What's your excuse now? No, your no, boat I've, is I've one of the I've been very good at it. It's, it no, so. it's actually been a lot better than it has been. I've been. I've got Kano who were sitting in his office recording this morning, and Kano has been side by side helping me clean it, stay on top of it. Orchid Construction Group. Yep, a great Kano. man. He's uh he's been very very kind uh, enough to help me clean on the boat, and we're going to stay on top of it. And that's where the tip comes into it. If you keep your boat and cut and polish it before every season. It actually helps you maintain and keep it clean because things don't stick to it as yeah, much. Yeah. So keeping on top of cleaning your boat will make a world of difference. And for me... It's the same with like the engine maintenance. Book it in now because when you actually yeah. want to go out, well, I'll it's give going you to be the same as everyone else and it's going to be busy as hell trying to get an engine service. Relevant, relevant segment. I'll give you another tip. Uh, the boys just at, for example, Mel Marine, Dom Marine, where the likes, gives him a... One of my best mates, another. He's a marine mechanic. Marine mechanic. Yep. They're starting to fill up already. Yeah. So, yep. and I know Andrew's starting to get busy too at Melbourne Marine Centre. Yeah. They're starting to get quite busy. Yeah. Give now Andrew a call if you're in. on the eastern side or wherever you are and want some good servicing. Give Andrew a call, book in, and because you'll bet you, you come down to it and snap a start bite in November and everyone's booked their boat in, you won't have time to do it. 100%. So it's now time for the flying gaff, Patrick. And I don't, I don't see anything wrong with this gaff. I'm all for it. 
<laughs> just looks like me driving around with my great Dane in the passenger seat. Flying Gaff is heading to the US this week after a giant bull has been spotted riding shotgun, prompting traffic concerns and a <laughs> genuinely hilarious photo. A Watsu bull named Howdy Doody uh, can I can only describe this as they've cut half the car open. Yep. And like they're crazy in the US, clearly. This bull's got the biggest horns that I've ever seen. It doesn't actually look real. Um, <laughs> it's real. I've seen it move. <laughs> so when this was reported to police, and this is from uh, police captain Chad Riemann, sounds so American, Chad Riemann, uh, <laughs> we thought it was going to be a calf or something small in the passenger seat. What we soon realised was a Watsu bull. That was in the that was in the three hundred and fifty kilo range, sitting shotgun. So there you have it. The gaff this week, maybe, maybe don't take Howdy Doody in the front passenger seat of a standard sedan and cut half the car open. I like the gaff because it means we've got fresh beef, Patrick. How good's that? You're listening to Real Adventures. We'll be back next week, and Patrick will have a report of what's biting down in Port Ferry if. I dragged the boat down there for him. (laughs) See you next week.